0: and welcome back to miami total football radio aka miami total football radio i am one third of your co-hosting team if you're new to this podcast my name is franco penizo joining me are the traditional two jose armando and steve brenner also known as ps5 jose and el primo guys we haven't spoken since late november we took a bit of a hiatus. I traveled to Europe. My computer also got busted, which is why we couldn't do that last podcast that we promised before we went into the offseason. My computer got damaged because of uh, a humid backpack. Had to take care of that as well. So we've been gone for a bit, but it's good to have you guys back on. Good to hear your voices, which we'll do in a second. So I'll start with you, Steve. How are you doing? How was the, the break? How was the offseason for you?
1: I'm very well, mate. Thanks for uh, having having us back on. And uh, yeah, he- hello to everyone. Uh, yeah, I didn't... What well, I was covering some cricket in the off-season in Florida. I've all placed in Lauderhill, Central Broward Stadium. I think where the uh, strikers were played at one point. Um, Ireland versus USA. USA actually won the first game, which was awesome. Their be- biggest ever win. And then pretty much the rest of the tour was scrapped because of COVID, uh, which wasn't good. Uh, but I have also begun a burgeoning... F- career on a football manager 22 uh, just to keep that soccer fixed i'm currently lead second season leading iax uh to glory but uh it's pretty immersive and very um i've been channeling my inner phil neville for for weeks now and i'm not doing too bad
0: so that could go any type of way depending on how people want to interpret that but Jose, how are you doing? <laughs> Jose, how are you doing? Happy New Year! Uh, it was I saw you recently celebrated and ha- and had a good time. It was your birthday? So how are you doing? How has the start of twenty twenty two come for you?
2: Well, it's it's been great. It's been great. It was a great birthday late in December. Um, but but I've been waiting for for the season for the MLS season, and, and I was excited towards the end of the year because I knew you know with Christmas and and the holidays, the turnaround, you know, it it was not going to be like what we're used to, you know, waiting until February for preseason. We're just a few days from preseason. so I'm very excited. Um, Also, you know, the one thing that I, um, I'm very happy about is to moving on for a little while from the Miami Dolphins. I'm not very happy. I've been covering them. Throughout the last two months, well, well, I've been covering throughout the entire year, but mainly during the last two months after the MLS season ended, and I'm not very happy with them sending back home my dear, my, fo- my your fellow... my compatriot, computer. yeah, your compatriot, yes.
0: Brian Flores. Huh? Brian Flores, so I'm not very
2: happy about that. I'm ready to move on to MLS and Inter-Miami.
0: You're ready to move on to the other football, the better football. Just kidding. The real, the real football, right? I'm not kidding. That's that's the truth. The real football. That's why we're all here. Uh, so, for all the listeners out there, if you have not left us a review, we ask you and we implore you. That's all we. That's all we ask is to leave, leave us a review. Whether it's five stars, four stars, whatever you think we deserve, please leave us a review. It helps us out tremendously. We are the number one Inter Miami podcast out there. We are the most listened to podcast, but. To continue to grow this podcast and to do a lot of the ideas that we've discussed during this offseason that we want to implement this year to bring you more content, better content, we need those reviews. So if you could just leave us a review, it'll take you literally 10-15 seconds, we would greatly, greatly appreciate it. But switching gears to something Jose touched on and that's why we're here is to talk about Inter-Miami, which has gone some significant changes, undergone some significant changes this winter... Probably more than even those those on the inside expected, or anyone even on the outside. It, it didn't. I did not see this coming. I did not see this much of a, of a roster overhaul. It's been a complete complete reset. But we're going to dive into all that. We'll talk about Rodolfo Pizarro. We'll talk about Blaise Matuidi's Matuidi's status going forward. He's still on the roster. We'll talk on a lot of different things. Lewis Morgan, the players they've signed, etc., etc., etc. So let's get to it because there is a lot to talk about, I imagine, based off the Q&A session that we have in store for you guys this week. I can imagine it's going to be a jam-packed episode. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get to it. Okay, guys, so normally we start off with the whistle before we begin the show. We've done that for every episode, uh, I believe, since episode one. But this time we switched it up. We went with the purges, famous siren, and that's because this offseason for me has been a purge. The team has been pretty much, by and large, wiped clean. A lot of places, or excuse me, a lot of pieces have moved on or will be moving on. And there have been new pieces brought in, but not that many. It's led to a lot of questions. Steve, I want to start with you. I want to hear from you. What's your overall view? Before we just dive into the individual cases and the individual moves, what's your overall view right now? Now, we know the the, the window transfer window is not over yet. It's not closed. So it's still, you know, you could give Miami an incomplete grade overall because there's still moves to be made. But just from right now, today, January 12th, what is your Perspective on the offseason Inter Miami has had.
1: Listen, it, it had to be done. We 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 know it. It did. We've been speaking about that for for months. That they had to have a complete squad sort of overhaul. Plus, with all the financial problems, um, you know, in terms of the, the you know the uh, the the the, penalt- the penalties that they had because of the Matuidi transfer, um, you know, it they had to act and they had to try and get as much off the wage bill as as possible. Lewis Morgan w- was a was a big one. You know, nearly a million dollars, wasn't it? Pretty much off the wage bill. You know, González, Pires, Figal, all these guys—they had to, they had to move them on. But I also don't think that—I th- I think all those players are replaceable. The problem is, are you able to to get the adequate quality or get players that are better in considering you know the money that they've uh, they've got to play with? So I think they've done well in sort of moving all of those players. The McCoon one, which I guess we'll touch on, was probably the most surprising. Um, but the rest of them, you know, they they just. They've cleared the decks. So I think for moving forward for next season, this is now Phil Neville and Chris Henderson's team, and they will live or die by it. But they they had to have a they had to have a clear out because they were left with you know a lot of dead wood and players. They just needed to move on for one reason or another, which I'm sure we'll get stuck into in a bit.
0: Jose, what are your thoughts on the state of Inter Miami as of today? Well, I think you know they are officially in
2: rebuilding mode right yeah. uh, i mean it, it, it's something that is it's not part of uh, you know an owner's mentality per se like what we have seen before in other sports here in south florida but it's more based on, on what the situation is for the team in terms of 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 how much uh, uh, in terms of your budget so um and the sanctions of course so you know i think it comes to be expected both both things first Um, the moves that have been made by the team and, second, the reaction from the fan base because, you know, as you see players come out and and you don't see the quality come back in, then you get frustrated and you you start thinking, where are we going? What is this team doing? But I go back to that community event late last year in which we were able to talk to Chris Henderson and he said, we have a plan. We have a plan. So I guess we kind of have to wait the next uh, couple of weeks, it's not that long anymore, to see exactly what the plan is and the next time we get an opportunity to talk to, to talk to Chris, it's going to be key for him to answer the question uh, that is, um, have you been able to execute the plan the way you want it? Because he had a plan from a long time ago right. um, in place and now it's the time to see if he was able to do exactly what he wanted to do. If that's the case, then listen, I guess you know it's a, it's a good step. But if not then you know frustration is going to start to build
0: i mean i think there's already some frustration from some fans who just want to know what's happening with this with this roster because like you just mentioned a lot of quality has left a lot of starters regular contributors from 2021 which granted and we know we've discussed has was not a great team but a lot of the top level talent or the or the regular players in that team are gone and i haven't seen and this is just my opinion i haven't seen like you mentioned a lot of starting talent Brought in, and I, we, I know that they're hamstrung by the Matweedy Gate sanctions. That's obviously a big factor, a big talking point going into this season for Inter Miami. But some of these moves, like you said, they definitely point to this is a rebuilding year. And I'm very curious to see how Inter Miami leadership and Brass and Phil Neville, Chris Henderson, Jorge Mas, even David Beckham, if we get a chance to speak to him this preseason, which we have during the past two years, I'm very curious to how they sell this to the South Florida public because. Right now, for me, this this screams roster rebuild. This is, this is going to take time. I don't think they're going to, as of right now, I don't think they're going to be gunning for a top three, four seed like they said last year during uh, around this time in preseason when Jorge Ma said that was the, the goal, being a top three seed in the Eastern Conference. I don't think that that is where the the bar will be for this team, for this group, because I just don't see that, that quality on here. A lot of pieces have moved on couple more pieces are expected to be moved on and the players that have come in are either relatively young or have not been all that productive in MLS or elsewhere so we're going to see or haven't even been tested so we're going to see how things unfold again there's still moves to be made if I had to give it a grade it'd be an incomplete just just still some things to, to be finalized here before the start of preseason which is January 17th that is next Monday Inter Miami has been holding. Voluntary workouts over the past couple of weeks. Players that are in market have been going and working out, but official preseason begins next week on Monday, and I do believe we will have an opportunity on that day to speak to some of the protagonists on this team and and get an idea of what's the mood, what's the state of Inter-Miami heading into the start of preseason ahead of the beginning of the campaign here in 2022. I have to make sure I get my year correct. You know, there's always that overlap from one year to the next where you still think it's the the previous year. So I have to make sure I get my 2022 correctly. Let's let's start with the one of the biggest names that moved on this offseason. Now that's Rodolfo Pizarro. We have had contentious debates here, heated debates about here we Ro go now, here we go the <laughs> club still, still alive. No, we've, we've got to start gosh. with him let's start let's start with him because his move not only is he a dp of course but his move brought about some questions i reported that i had heard he would not open up a dp slot even though he was departing on loan to monterrey that loan comes with an option to buy but he is on loan it's through the rest of the 2022 season now i have been told And I I will jump into the, it's not legal terms, but the official terms for why the DP slot wasn't open, because I know a lot of people have a lot of questions as to why that is. So this is the information that we have. Pizarro was loaned to Monterrey. Monterrey is covering 100% of his salary with an option to buy by the end of the year. So that's December 31st of 2022. That opens six hundred and twelve thousand uh, dollars. On the on the budget, because that, that's what was counted against the cap, not his three million. What was count, uh, in salary? What was counted against the cap was six hundred and twelve thousand. Okay, and the reason why Inter Miami does not get a DP spot is Monterrey would have had to take his full salary and amortization of the transfer. Uh, the transfer fee that Inter Miami paid when it signed him years ago in order to free up the dp spot and since they did not do that that would have been in excess of 6.5 million dollars in 2022 because monterrey did not do that they did not pay that that portion of the transfer fee that dp spot does not open up for inter miami so they will only be able to have as of right now two dps in 2022 now, what does all that mean in simpler terms? Well, it means that Inter Miami didn't wasn't able to completely unload or offload Pizarro in a way that would open up the the DP slot that he that he holds. So, the ghost of Pizarro will linger in Inter Miami in 2022 in some way shape or, or form because again, they will not be able to sign a DP as, as things stand today. Now, we expected him to leave. We expected the departure But that obviously is significant because Inter-Miami now has one less DP to to field and to make a difference on the field. So, Jose, what are your thoughts on that? Let's start with you because I know you've been a staunch defender of Pizarro uh, over the course of the year. I know there have been moments where you have been critical, but you've been more uh, uh, in favor of him and and defended him as I have in different moments where Steve's been a little bit more critical towards him. But just your overall thoughts of what this means for Inter-Miami, that they will not be able to have three DPs on the roster this year as things
2: stand? Well, I don't think that's a big deal, honestly. I mean, last year, um, there were several parts, you know, several weeks in which you were out of this native player. Um, Pepito Wain was out because he was not fit enough. Um, Blaze was uh, benched because he just couldn't perform at a high level. Even Rodolfo Pizarro, at times he was not in the starting 11 as well. So, especially in a rebuilding year when you don't have one designated player a spot available, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a big deal. Now, the one thing that caught my attention with uh, Pizarro is that, you know, he he didn't necessarily say goodbye. He said, see you soon. So I'm thinking maybe next year, you know, he wants to go to the World Cup, right? Yes. That, that, there's no doubt about that. So that's why he's going to Monterrey. He wants to play more. You know, he, he wants to he wants to get back into the um, national team picture. Um, it's going to be tough, though, for him. But still, he's, that's the only way to try. You have to play. So, you know, I can see a possibility of him coming back next year. Only, of course, if Pepita Guayene is no longer with the team. Um, but the reason why throughout last year I was hopeful that Pizarro would end up becoming a a key figure for Miami is because he's the only player from the three designated players that I can actually see an upside to him. You know, I I, I can basically see uh, Pizarro performing at a higher level uh, this year and the following year, which is the, the year that the the contract with Inter Miami ends. I don't see that happening for Blaze or for, for Iguain. And so I do believe, you know, this is a good move for both parts, but um, it, it's not going to hurt inter miami if they don't have uh if they only end up with two designated players I, I don't i honestly i don't i don't see it i think they have to do a lot more and if that's the case if it's not available then bring a young player and maybe you know you you're able to develop a young player or not a player into the designated uh player slot and maybe he's, he's good enough that he sticks around for next year so i don't think that's 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 too big a deal
0: i would disagree i would say that it is a big deal because when you're in a rebuilding year in mls first of all you know you need to more or less hit on your 3dps if you have 3dps to really try to maximize uh the talent you have and really maximize your chances of of being the best team you can be especially i think in a year like this where you are hamstrung by sanctions you need your dps to perform and obviously if you have the resources to sign 3dps if you're able to do so i think that helps mitigate, or can help mitigate, the sanctions if you have 3DPs that perform. Not having one for me is is a is a blow for Inter Miami. Obviously, they would rather, they would prefer to have a, a DP slot than to not have it. I obviously, but I think it is a blow. I think it's a bigger blow than 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 you believe. But Steve Primo, what do you think? Do you think it's it's a significant blow, or do you think, given the circumstances, given what this year might turn out to be, it's it's not that big a deal in the grand scheme of things?
1: It was a, you know, it was was like a double blow, really. You know, he uh, just six goals and nine assists in 43 games. Is is it enough for someone of of that player of that quality and the amount of money they spent on him? Now, even though he's gone, they still haven't recouped all the money. So you said, how much is he going to free up this? Around six, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars, right? Six
0: hundred and twelve thousand dollars on the budget.
1: And and if they and if they would have sold him, how much would that freed up?
0: It would have freed up the same amount, but they wouldn't have his salary on on the books.
1: So that's a blow considering everything we've gone on about the financials that they couldn't have got all that money, you know, get the money off the wage bill or, or whatever. But yeah, I was actually speaking to someone the other night um, uh, who, who was at the club last year and they was we were talking about Pizarro and he, and he just sort of said, you know, from his perspective, he loved Pizarro. He said he was brilliant in, in the locker room. He was great around the club. He's a great player. He obviously turned on in training, you know, a lot. We just didn't see it, you know, enough. And of course we know, now that you know it, that him and Higuain just couldn't play in the same team, if it's going to have to be one to go, then it was going to have to be Pizarro. You know, I think this guy also also made the point that Pizarro needs to come in and have a team built around him. Right. And I guess they tried to do that in the first season, but right. it didn't re- it didn't really happen for one reason or another. And yeah. um, and then obviously Higuain comes in, a bigger bigger player, bigger ego. We we know that they didn't they didn't enjoy playing with each other, and that and that was a problem. So you know. There had to be a full guy and it was it was poor old uh, poor old Rodolfo. But you know, yeah, shame. Shame he didn't work out, but then moving forward, like I say, it's um they're still they're still paying for him, aren't they? So it's um yeah, it's unfortunate.
0: Right, the salary's still on the books, right? And and that's see you yeah. soon, like 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 Jose mentioned. If Monterrey does not exercise that that buy option, Pizarro could, in theory, return to inter Miami because he'd be under contract in 2023. Now, let's but re- after, he
1: leads Mex- after he leads Mexico to the World Cup and then, and then joins Juventus or Barcelona, then it's you know it's gonna be relevant anyway. <laughs>
0: there's there's the what? there's the el primo wit that obviously we've all been missing. We need more el primo wit in our it's, lives. It's,
1: it's no joke. That's seriously gonna happen, honestly. trust me.
0: <laughs> it happened in your football manager, I imagine. Okay. Could do. Well, let's let's touch on the other DP. And I'm gonna start I'm gonna go back to you here, Steve, because I know that you've heard some things about blaze Matweedy and his status with inter miami the miami herald reported michelle kaufman our our esteemed colleague reported that he's likely done with inter miami that he has probably played his last game with the team that he's likely on the way out but i know you've heard some things there, there's a club interested what can you share with us because all as of right now all i've heard is that he's not in these voluntary trainings he's not uh taking part in them he's working out on his own in his gyms or wherever he is, but what have you heard about the club that is interested in potentially acquiring Blaise Matuidi this year?
1: Yeah, Troy, Troy, the the French club have shown have shown interest. They're 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 in Paris, like Northern Paris, I think. So, uh, you know, Matuidi's family or his family from Paris, so that would be that would be handy for him. Um, but there hasn't been anything anything concrete. But it kind of you know if they can try and get some interest in him which they clearly they have got some then it's possible they could move him on i think having missed out having still having to pay bizarro's you know wages they can move between the on i think that would be huge for them but um, as of as of last week there was no real real update on that but um we should we should hopefully know sooner rather than later about that but i mean he wouldn't be able to move to france he'd be in limbo wouldn't he because obviously the i guess the the, well, the transfer windows open now isn't it so he could he could yeah he could go but uh, that closes at the end of end of this in this month, so we we'll have to wait and see.
0: I imagine, and I don't know if you have this information, but I imagine they wouldn't look to tr- acquire him via a permanent transfer unless, you know, Inter Miami and Blazematwey mutually agree to part ways, and Blazematwey a- becomes a free agent, and then he can sign with Troyes on his own. The only other alternative I see is a- another loan, which we've seen a lot of this this off season from Inter Miami. Do you happen to know which one, or n- not yet? You haven't found that that information out.
1: No, no, I'm not sure yet. I'm, okay. I'm working on it, but I would have thought that they would want to try and try and sell him. I mean, it then uh, uh, Troyes but...
0: isn't paying. For, is. I mean, I can't imagine any club in the world is going to pay for. Uh, how old is he now? Thirty-five, thirty-six-year-old midfielder who's on the downside of his career. I can't imagine that they're going to pay for him. If they're going to acquire him, and this is not information I have. This is just supposition, my my speculation on the outside. Just just trying to put it all into perspective. I imagine they again. I'll reiterate what I just said. They either. Inter-Miami and Blaise Matuidi mutually agree to rip up his deal, which runs through this year. They mutually agree to, to part ways. Blaise Matuidi becomes a free agent, and then he's free to sign with Troyes. No no transfer fee required. Or, if that's not the case, then Inter-Miami just loans him out for, I don't know, the six months, the year, whatever they're looking to do, uh, and Troyes can acquire him in that manner. I just don't see a transfer fee coming for a, a midfielder who, over the past two years, hasn't shown all that much, who's at a more advanced stage in his career just i don't see that see that happening jose what do you think about that what what scenario do you think could be more likely again we're just speculating now this is not information part that steve said was information but now at this point we're, we're speculating but what what do you think would be better for intermime just a, a clean break or is just getting him uh off the roster off the loan opening up the 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 budget hit like with Pizarro? is that just the most important thing at the end of the day
2: yeah, well, listen, I think it's a different situation with Blaze just because, you know, he's late in his career. Um, he probably wants to go home. And um, um, I think if you were to ask him, um, not necessarily in a press conference, but just having a conversation with him um, about his time in, in Inter-Miami, uh, I think it started okay. But, you know, as months went by, uh, I think it was a struggle for him, and I think he knows that. And um, and, and maybe it's, if he wants to continue playing, you know, maybe this is not the league for him. So, you know, I think there could be interest, interest in, in both uh, sides, Inter-Miami and Blaze, to, you know, just part ways and, and, and move on. You know, the, the, different, the difficult situation that Inter-Miami is in is that, you know, almost everybody knows um, that, you know, uh, they are in trouble you know if you see reports and we'll talk about you know um Gonzalez Pires and Enfigal um later on but you know everybody in in Argentina is talking about it you know that Inter Miami is in trouble and and they they want to get rid of this player so everybody knows that so this, the the negotiation process it, it's it's complicated right now and so but 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 in the in the placement to situation i think you know it, it's it, it's it, it's an easy outlet Parkways move on and just, you know, Blaze continues his career someplace else and not within the physical uh, Major League Soccer style of play. And maybe he finds a uh, room someplace else. And, and, and I think he he, he, can, he can do that in France. So um, that would be great for, for Inter Miami. There's no doubt about that. You know, just getting rid of of Blaise and, and having the designated player spot. Um, I, I think that, that that can be good. Now, don't expect a, a huge name to come in just because right. Inter Miami has designated player spot. Don't don't come talking to me about Luis Suarez or stuff like that. But you know, <laughs> Jose is, is not here for
0: that. Jose is not here for some Luis Suarez transfer talk. <laughs> yeah, just
2: just expect a player that's in, in a better situation that's gonna come and compete and help out the team.
0: Okay, so let's let's switch gears cause because you, again you touched on you keep beating me to the punch there Jose, but let's touch on. Some of the other players that have moved on. Let's touch on Leandro Gonzalez-Perez. Let's touch on Julian Carranza. And let's touch on Nicolás Figal. Now, Figal, as of today, is on the roster. Reports have him linked with a move to Boca Juniors, the famed Argentine club. I expect that that will come to pass. LGP goes to River Plate, his boyhood club, the, the team that he started his professional career with. He's on a two-year loan with an option to buy two-year loan is, is, is a lengthy, lengthy loan. I don't think I've seen one of that length before that's at least been predetermined. You know, Sometimes someone goes on a loan for a year, they do well, the team wants to bring him back, and they bring them back for a second year. But I, I don't think I've ever seen, I could be mistaken, but I don't think I've ever seen a two-year loan just off of RIP like that. It does include an option to buy, but I don't think we'll see Leandro gonzalez us in an Inter-Miami jersey uh, again. But that's just my That's a my, huge my upgrade, by the way.
2: That's a huge upgrade for LGP and for Figal if he, if he ends up with with Boca that's a huge upgrade like honestly like going from Inter Miami to River Plate and Boca Juniors I mean come on that that's that that has to be a dream come true I mean it it's Right they're the two they're the it, two
0: biggest clubs in Argentina the two biggest clubs in Argentina and and in two of the biggest in South America and two of the biggest in the world absolutely
2: I'm really surprised by that honestly and and listen the only way that i see both of those um, guys coming back it's it's just in this scenario in which they don't see the field for a minute during the entire 2022 season other than that i think just for them having the opportunity to get back and you know compete at a high level especially river plate i don't know i I think that's an upgrade i don't know what do you think steve
1: no of course what moving from from into Miami to River Plate, of course. Yeah, so River Plate is one of the biggest, most well-known clubs in the world. I mean, yeah, it's a huge move that he probably was never going to turn down, and he could probably do a decent job there. My knowledge of Argentine domestic football isn't, isn't fantastic, but I'm sure that he, um, you know, the quality's decent, and I'm, you know, he'll, yeah, just like like you say, I just think it, it's a great move.
0: So, what what do you guys think about both of them departing? And we'll, we will touch on Christian McCoon, we will touch on Ryan Shawcross and we'll touch on the centre back situation in general, but. What do you think about both of them leaving? Because, Steve, we touched on this quite a bit last year, last season, was that we expected one of them to go, but not both. We thought one of the two would go in addition to some other pieces, like Julian Carranza, which we'll get to in a second as well. But we didn't think both center backs would go. We thought only one, and that's that's what we were hearing, but both are apparently going to be on the way out. The LGP's already gone. Figal, apparently, it's just uh, a matter of time. What do you what do you think about both of them leaving? What do you think about two more experienced center backs on this team leaving? And obviously, this the last season wasn't great. The team didn't make the playoffs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We know all of that. But what do you think about just both of them departing?
1: Well, I think you know, yeah, González Pérez. We knew he was quite a divisive figure in in the, in the locker room. They'd been trying to move him on for a while. De- decent player, but again, probably one they've looked at and thought that we can get his financials, you know, off the. You know, off off the uh, off the table for a bit, and then they can look at, at bringing players. They clearly have, they must have their eyes on different players. If they're shipping out, the, you know, these guys, they're obviously going to have targets. You know, we've seen obviously Motta come in. They had the the, the draft the other day, um, so they're working through those. But um, I you know, I guess it you know they 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 both they must think that they're both replaceable, and they got you know decent earners off the off the wageable too.
0: It's, this is a pretty. This to me is a pretty significant, almost, almost a clean break from the previous regime. Almost, I still I say almost because Gonzalo Higuain and a few of the pieces that were initially signed on by Diego Alonso and by Paul McDonough, they're still in place. They're still around.
1: Uruguayan mana, Uruguay manager Diego Alonso. The Uruguay
0: national team manager. <laughs> appa- apparently, people come to Inter Miami and then they just like use it as a trampoline to something better, no matter what the results. are. Are, which is pretty pretty impressive, maybe, and that might actually speak highly to, uh, of Inter Miami. And even though the job, the, the the results haven't been great, you know, the stature and the status that it has as a high profile club, not only in MLS but around the world, you know, maybe there's maybe there's something to that. We can touch on that or explore that later later on in the year. But going back to the center backs, for me, I liked both Nicolas Figal and Leandro gonzalez Pitas as players. They did not. You know, the defense didn't look great, and a lot of people are like, well, it's fine, get them out of here. We weren't great, it wasn't good. But I thought they were two solid players for the most part. Did they have their mistakes? Did they have their issues? Did they have their lapses and their errors? Yes, just like everybody else on this team. But I think they were two of the more consistent, that doesn't mean they were consistent every game, but two of the more consistent performers Last year, and I know LGP gets a lot of criticism for the yellow cards and the accumulations. He had 15 last year, led the league in yellow cards. Obviously, that's that's something that would have needed to be corrected had he returned. But I think they do lose quite a bit with his departure, more so than they will if Figal goes, which again we expect to happen. I think LGP not only ha- knows, you know, he has that MLS know how, the MLS experience. He also is someone that contributes to the attack. Someone that delivered assists or secondary assists this past season and helped generate attacks and attacking sequences and goal-scoring sequences with his passing from the back. And not having that, to me, is is a blow. And again, I know people will say, well, no, it doesn't matter, the team was bad last year, but we, Inter-Miami was poor in 2021, across the board. But it was weaker in the attack than it was in the defense. The attack was what struggled and sputtered for more of the season and for longer stretches. Gonzalez Pires contributed to the attack as a center back, from the back, with his passing. There you now lose that. So now that attack now has to find other ways now to create. Attack that was already struggling to create now loses that aspect, loses that weapon in the arsenal. So I do think Gonzalez Pires' absence, yes, there will be positives with his departure especially if you get a center back that's maybe a little more or a little less temperamental, but I do think that they do lose a bit in terms of just on the field, what he provided, his leadership. I know you've reported that he's been a divisive figure, but I do think that, that's just my opinion, I do think that they lose a, a decent amount with his departure. But let's just talk on the overall center back situation right now, because Ryan Shawcross announced his retirement from professional football on Wednesday. Christian McCoon earlier this week was officially traded to Charlotte CF, the ex- or excuse me, Charlotte FC, the expansion team that starts this year. And he was traded for the number one spot in the allocation order, which, here we go with MLS's complexities, is a player acquisition mechanism that allows you to pick players that are. St- Predetermined or that are selected on this list that are either former national team players or that were former MLS players. There's a lot of details in there, but there's a there's a, there's a list of certain named players that if they return to MLS, they have to go through this allocation order. And based on where you are in that ranking, you have dips. Now, Inter Miami is at number one. As soon as you use it once, then you go to the bottom of the order, and the next team comes up to the number one spot. And it just that's that's my best way of describing this very complex. And MLS only thing. I've talked to a lot of people in recent days after the McCoon trade about it, and everyone's always like, oh, only an MLS, only an MLS. Yes, it's very, uh, it's very unique. But anyway, those guys are also gone. That leaves, as of today, on the roster, Nicolas Figal, that leaves untested teenager Ian Frey, that proves fairly newcomer. Jairo Quinteros, which Jose you spoke to, so you can give us some insight there. And yesterday's draft pick, Ryan Saylor. So those are the center backs Inter Miami has on the books right now. I imagine that they will go and sign other center backs. in mean, Mabika, uh, I've heard, is going to sign a first team deal. So he'll be there as well. But it's not a center back cro- corpse, excuse me, that has a whole lot of experience. So that is very proven. Jose, what are your thoughts on? I'll start with you on the center back on the center back situation. Are is it are, well, are you are you optimistic about it? Is it concerning? Do they need to add more pieces? Do they need to add one very experienced piece, or do you think that they can get by with more or less what they have, or as what we know that they have as of today?
2: Well, I, I don't think that I can be optimistic, but <laughs> because of of you know how young most of the players are, um, and the center back position. Um, I, I do agree, though, that you kind of have to sell Figal and uh, an LGP or loan them, or you know, just don't have them on have, have them on your team, just because right now Inter Miami is selling basically everything that that, you, you get, that they get an offer for.
0: Garage sale so, this way, garage sale this way.
2: <laughs> yes, right. So, I mean, I think they're in the next few days once we get there. I wouldn't be surprised if the first day of of preseason we see faces that we know who they are, but but they haven't signed with the team just yet. So, you know, it's it, it's part of that plan that Chris Anderson, for some reason, I end up believing too much in this plan, by the way. I'm reflecting <laughs> on my comments right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. For some reason, I'm believing those words from Chris Anderson. Hopefully, you know, he's able to back things up. But um, I, I do believe they, they have a lot of work to do when it comes to, to defense, especially because last year that was the the one thing that they did well for for a long time. They play good defense. And, um, with the, with, with Makoon out of the team, I honestly, listen, I, I think he's a young talent and I think he's going to do well in MLS, but I, I don't see it as a big deal because McCoon. the success that he was able, the, the, the success came after a lot of work. I, I'm, I'm not going to say he didn't work for success, but the, the, the back, five in the back, the formation was a lot of help for him. Yes. You know, having that when, when you when you commit a mistake you, you have a teammate or two nearby that can help you out exactly that was big for him and that was part of him having a good year and i don't know if inter miami saw that long term playing with ford in the back yeah so you know i think it's a move that it's worth it take take your chance and, and we'll see if it works out with the allocation situation that's that's the other part of it that that's what how people are going to judge that move so uh, it's right, but they, they have but to have yeah. somebody
0: in mind right they have to have someone in mind if they traded yeah. for that number one spot there's somebody on that list and we could speculate as to i haven't heard any names but there has to be somebody on that list that they either like or that they know somebody else wants and that they can flip that they could potentially flip that that allocation spot via trade to somebody else for more allocation money and now we're getting into all the mls mumbo jumbo and the different terms and words and get, get all confusing but Inter-Miami, def- I definitely believe they have a plan here. They didn't just get the number one pick just for having its sake. There's definitely something behind uh, this this trade. And I, I will agree with you. I do want to hear Steve's take, but I do agree with you 100%. I believe I said it last year on the podcast. Christian McCoon was the most improved player for Inter-Miami in 2021. Make no ifs, ands, or buts about it. No qualms. He was the most improved player for Inter-Miami in 2021. But I 100% agree. That he is a better center back in a five-man backline than he is in a four-man backline because he has more space to cover in a four-man backline. And anytime I've seen him in in situations, or I won't say any time, but a lot of times that I've seen him in situations, and this is just my analysis, in which he has to cover more space, he struggles. Not necessarily the best in, with his positioning doesn't take the, necessarily the best angles to close down to close down the spaces or close down the attackers, and he does struggle. And I think part of that is what led Inter-Miami to making this move, that, look, he's, he's got some upside to him, uh, he's, he's blossoming, he's growing in his role with the Venezuelan national team. There's a lot of good things about him, but going forward, do they really see him as someone that can contribute in terms of what their plan is and how they view things going forward? Because again, maybe the five at the back isn't something that they, they want to stick with long-term. This is a team that we know from the start has talked about being attack-minded and free-flowing soccer, et cetera, et cetera. And you don't normally play five at the back. Normally, you don't play five at the back if you're trying to instill that. I don't think we will see that this year, given everything we've talked about. But I, if that's the longer-term plan, then you know maybe Christian McCoon just didn't fit in. it. I know it took a lot of people by surprise. Steve, did it catch you by surprise? And do you think it's a, it's a blow? Or you think it's
1: manageable for inter miami no i mean listen i, th- I think it's, it's definitely manageable you know I'm, I'm told that they're still paying for one of those salaries if either figal or, or, or gonzalez perez but they've cleared another one off so that that obviously freed up some money um yeah i mean it, it just depends on what i'm told also that they're going to announce probably about four players this this week and hope to get at least another two in so that's six players coming in now. It just depends on who they bring in. We're not sure of the names right now. They're keeping the cards close to their chest, but um, let, let's see who who comes in. Then we can make a decision on whether or not it was a bad bad call to let them go initially. But if I'm if it's right, what I'm being told that they're so uh that they they're going to be very busy in terms of bringing people in this week. Then um, we'll have to see see what happens to see who they are.
0: Okay. Well, before we touch on the players that that came in, let's let's quickly touch on the other players that left. Julian Carranza was sent. To Philadelphia on loan, and in, in exchange Inter-Miami got a draft pick, which is kind of weird because if you're sending someone on loan, I don't know why uh, you're being compensated if it's a loan. It's not a trade, right? So if it's being announced as a loan, why did Inter Miami get a pick? I you know, I that's curious. But all right, he's he's gone to Philadelphia. Lewis Morgan was traded to the New York Red Bulls for a ton of allocation money. Those that was one of the biggest and one of the earliest moves Inter Miami made this offseason. Another move was the trade of reserve goalkeeper Dylan Castañeda to Atlanta United for versatile veteran Mo Adams, who happened to be in London during well, I was in my Euro trip and I was in London. He happened to be in London. We did not cross paths, but I thought that was that was just an interesting note that he was he was in the same city uh, abroad than that I was in. But of those three, Steve, which one? is the biggest one i mean it's not the biggest one no because we know lewis morgan's the biggest one but which one of those uh do you want to talk about let's just go which one do you want to talk about lewis morgan julian carranza or you know the introduction of mo adams via the trade of uh of dylan Castaneda. we got to start with the glasgow messi um
1: for that you know the, the joy he gave us in that first season but i spoke to someone uh close to him today you know they, they were basically saying that they they were Lewis was getting upset when people are saying oh well your second season wasn't as good as your first considering the fact that he was pretty much played out of position uh at fullback for the for the whole of the, of the season pretty much I think that didn't help him last season at all and uh you know I think he would have wanted to stay on for a couple of years he, he there he continued at Miami he liked it um but yeah it was just um a combination of him being a bit unhappy there I think of the role he, in the in the team, and also the fact that the the hierarchy wanted the probably to get him off the wage bill, and another guy who they could probably see is they could replace him if they especially considering if they can get the uh, his one you know $1 million dollars back or whatever they got for him in the end. So um, yeah, it's a shame it sort of fizzled out a bit because you would hope that he would have kicked on after that first season. But I think playing out of position as he did, he found it difficult. And I he always did okay, but just knowing product because his role changed and that didn't help him. Um, so yeah, and I think you know going to Red Bulls is an attractive proposition for a young player considering their links with with Leipzig and, and in Austria as well, Red Bull Salzburg. So um, you know he's buying into that that sort of organisation, so to speak. So I, I think it's a it's a good move for him.
0: So he so you said something there, and I just want to clarify. So Inter Miami did not recoup you know any transfer fee that they might have paid for them. they got 1.2 million dollars in general allocation money mls funny money as some people refer it as and that is obviously significant for inter miami because yeah. they are hamstrung by the matuity gate sanctions and they've lost allocation money 2.2 million over the next two years so recovering some of it with this trade obviously they lose a, a starter the the one player that's played in every single game and I believe started in every single game in Inter Miami history to date. They obviously lose someone that's also a fan favorite, but there's a bigger plan here, and that's that they need to to manage the roster, manage the situation, and this was a, this was a way to do that. I do think he will fit in very well with the New York Red Bulls. His his high motor fits with their pressing system and their pressing style. I think he will succeed there. Do better than we saw him do here in 2021 in South Florida. I would say this if there's one criticism to have and it's you know you could apply it to the Julian Carranza move as well. Inter Miami sent these players to Eastern Conference teams. Now, maybe these were the best deals they could get and nothing else came close and this is you know Chris Henderson was like all right, well, this is what I can get. This let, you know, I make this move. But but Jose and I want to hear your thoughts, they could come back to bite Inter-Miami in the rear end on the field, right? If if Or, you know, not even just in direct games between Inter-Miami and, and the Red Bulls, for example, or Inter-Miami against the Union. You know, Julian Carranza scores a goal, or Lewis Morgan sets up an assist. Not only in that way, just over the course of the season, if those two players contribute to their new team's successes, then obviously helps those teams raise in the standings and could hurt Inter-Miami depending on how they're doing. So, I mean, I think that's one... Small criticism, or I don't know, if small, but it's one, one uh, little criticism I have, or one I keep saying little, just one criticism I have of of these moves. What What are your thoughts there?
2: Well, listen, I don't know because you know, I don't know. My expectations of Inter Miami this year uh, are not very high. So you know, if if for some reason Lewis Morgan or Juli Carranza end up scoring against. Uh, um inter miami i don't think that's oh, that's gonna be but it, be but it impacts them time.
0: but it does impact them right it does impact if they're if they're scoring goals for the vancouver whitecaps or real salt lake or colorado rapids it doesn't impact inter miami because the western conference doesn't like inter miami's not competing for a playoff spot in the west they're competing for a playoff spot in the east so I, really
2: it, i don't know i don't know <laughs> i'll have to see about that i don't know you're very optimistic come on uh, I mean, I think we we have to wait and see what 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 Inter Miami is all about this year. Are they really going to be competing for a playoff spot? I don't know. Right now, right. If, if you put a starting eleven with the players that they have, do you think they're going to be competing well, for a so, playoff so, so spot? So
1: I want, I, six players. They're wait. coming. Attending this week. Six players are coming. They're on their way. they the, the airport. Hold, Maybe next hold, week on, hold, on, hold, wait, hold on. Hold on. Wait.
0: Hold on. Hold So I do want to have this talk, uh, and I, I, but I want to save for the Q and A session because. I think that's what a lot of the Q&A sessions going to center around. What is this team doing? What is the outlook? Et cetera, et cetera. So I, I want to hold that thought. And uh, if we're going to just move on from the players that have been traded, I think that covers every everybody that's been uh, been shipped out oh, or like that's departed. That's okay, yeah, go for it.
2: I have one more comment about, about Juli Carranza. I mean, what a tough sale that, that must have been. Like, honestly, in your package, when you're trying to sell Juli Carranza to Philly... But What's it, in that package?
0: They didn't sell him. They they just traded. No, they they loaned him. Loaned him.
2: Well, still, how do you get Philly to agree to get Hulikarans? Well, I mean,
0: well, Philly is a is a team that, first of all, you know they were they were very close to making MLS Cup final this season. And right. if if not for if not for the COVID that I don't know if it's an outbreak, but the COVID cases that they had, I guess it was an outbreak because they lost a lot of players right before the the, the Eastern Conference Final to New York City FC. They stand a very good chance of making the MLS Cup final and potentially winning it. But they had COVID cases. They lost a lot of significant players. They still managed to take New York City FC to nearly the final minute. Extra time looming. It was 1-1. And then New York City FC finds the game-winning goal. And New York City FC, which we haven't mentioned, goes on to win MLS Cup. They become the MLS Cup champions of the 2021 season, it only took them a few seasons as an expansion team to do so. Something Inter Miami can look to try to aspire to. But anyway, Philadelphia is a team that one is looking for a striker. Now they take a flyer on Carranza. Obviously, Carranza hasn't overly impressed or hasn't impressed at all over the last two years. But they take a flyer on him and they give him a chance. Jim Curtin, Philadelphia Union's head coach, is known for doing a very good job at working with youngsters and and. Tapping into them and getting the most out of that, out of those players, squeezing all the juice out of the lime, as as we say in Spanish. So I, I imagine they're just taking a flyer on him, seeing if he can help them resolve some things. If he if you know if he can contribute some goals up top, great. If not, then you know they have him on loan for the year, and and so be it. But I, I think it's actually a good fit for the player. I think it's a good fit for or just a good flyer attempt for the Union as well. I think it's an overall win win situation for for all parties. But
2: anyway, continue. No, I do agree. I do agree. That was my point. That was my point. I, I mean, it's it's hard for him for for Inter Miami to go out there and just uh, have a, a bunch of of teams line up to pick up Carranza. They were able to do so, and I think I, I agree with you. You know, it works both ways. But it's it was surprising to me that a good team in in Philly uh, was able to pick him up.
0: They just they just want to take the flyer. They just want to take the flyer. I, I I don't have the stats in front of me right now, but I do. When I looked at the stats, you know, even though they finished well in the Eastern Conference last year, and they, and they obviously were deep into the playoffs, their attack wasn't among the most potent ones in in the East. So they're definitely trying to obviously get better this year. And one way is to to maybe find a bit more goals from their number nine position. Steve, let's quickly switch gears to the players that have come in. Because we've touched on, I think, everybody else that's left, uh, well, Federico Higuain retired, as we know. Indiana Vasilev's loan expired. I don't know, uh, Jose or Steve, have you guys heard anything about whether he'll be back or not? Uh, Steve Steve might have the pulse on this one since Indiana Vasilev has connections uh, over there in the U.K., I think Vasilev has gone gone back to Villa, hasn't he? Is that correct? Uh, well, I, I mean, I've been hearing some things that they might be expecting him back, but I, you know, I, I don't have that concrete, so you know, take that with a grain of salt for now. I, I, and, uh, I, I have heard there's possibility that he does return.
1: Yeah, and Still. just Ryan Shawcross, you know, apparently he was told that um, that he wasn't really going to feature too much, you know, next next season, and he decided to sort of call it a day, really. So, um, yeah, that was a shame he didn't work out, but injuries sort of. Didn't sort of destroy the end of his career really, which is a shame. He was never the player that he was, but yeah. So that was that situation.
0: Okay. At the start of the off season, this was you know one of the first bit of news that came out. These were the options that were declined, just to just so we can be all encompassing and thorough here on this return pod. Uh, Georgia Costa, Ventura Alvarado, Dylan Castañeda, Jay Chapman, Sammy Gadeiri, Kelvin Leardam, John McCarthy, Josh Penn, Patrick Segrest, and Victor Ulloa all had their options declined. Now, some players were dealt. like in Castaneda's case, Ulloa was resigned. He will be back in 2022, one of the few loan holdovers that is still here from the opening season, from the very start. He, he returns for year three. Breck Shea was also out of contract. He is reportedly expected back with the team. I don't think that's surprising. I think he's versatile and can give you enough as as a, as a bench option, occasional spot starter, that you know he merits that inclusion. So not not surprised that either of those return. But everybody else is on... Oh, actually, that's not true. Georgia Costa, sources told me, is expected to take part in this preseason camp. And there stands a good chance that he makes the, the team, the first team, and can contend for minutes. So... Other than that, everybody else has either moved on or is moving on. Jay Chapman just signed, I believe, earlier today with Dundee United. Calvin Leardam latched onto the LA Galaxy. Uh, I know there's still some players that are trying to figure out their futures. Ventura Dalvado, I think, I believe, went back to Mexico, uh, but there are other players like Sammy Gaidery, John McCarthy, and and others that are still looking for uh, for uh, a new club. You know, then the next chapter of their of their careers. So. Those are players that have left. Those those are a couple of the players that that have come in or that are returning. Shea and Ulloa. Other signings. Like you mentioned earlier, Steve. Jean Mota was was signed. Number eight, central midfielder. Brazilian. Will play alongside Gregory, I imagine. In the center of the park. Will take Blaise Matuidi's spot. Uh, Other players that came in. Ariel Lasseter was acquired via trade from the Houston Dynamo. He scored zero goals and had zero assists. He's a winger. Didn't score and didn't assist in 2021 on any goals. But I think his addition has more to do with speed and stretching, stretching the field and Inter-Miami trying to add more, uh, yeah, just more pace to the, to the squad and more more uh, physical traits, more, uh. Yeah, just more speed. It's the best way I can put it right now. Uh, Inter Miami also. I think the best. thing
1: is, Sorry, I was gonna say the best thing is Jay Chapman swapping Miami for Dundee. Um, <laughs> it's gonna be absolutely freezing in Dundee. It's not like Miami. Well, he's Canadian, so
0: he's yeah. he's he's you know he'll be I'm sure a little used to it. His his blood will be uh will be okay I imagine. The other the other player that was acquired via trade was Bryce Duke of LAFC. So those are the players that came in. And again it goes back to the question of are the players being brought in to the level of the players that are being shipped out? And again, this was a bad team in 2021, but we, there's there's clearly a discrepancy in in quality there, you know, unless these players come in and completely take uh the league by storm, I mean, I think there's a significant drop off in in talent there. Jose, you touched on it a little bit before. Anything you want to add about the players that have so far been brought in? I know Steve is reporting here on Miami Total Football Radio. Five or six players will be brought on uh, uh, this week. But anything you want to add there, Jose?
2: Well, I really like the signing of uh, Lassiter. Um, I I think, you know, he's he's a young player. He, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, initially I thought he had potential to, you know, move on to, to you know a bigger league just because of how he was brought into um a professional uh, football you know his, his family you know soccer runs in his family he was able to go to costa rica as well you know he has uh experience with the national team so i think this could be a very important year for him i do believe he has the talent to be a starter in mls but you know it remains to be seen how much help he's able to get and and how can he connect with with the Wayne as we all know that is something very important in Inter Miami.
0: Steve, to close out this very long segment because we've pretty much just summarized the whole uh, off season or so far to date, your thoughts on those moves and as of right now, I know you said there's moves coming, but as of right now just the 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 level of talent that's been brought in compared to the level of talent that has departed.
1: Well, you know, yeah, I mean, they've—they've—it's kind of like for like in in a way when you look at the players that they, you know, that they've let go. Um, I I haven't really seen much of the guys that have have come in, so you know, I have to reserve judgment, you know, with that. But I think it's just trying to build the squad up around the edges as 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 best they can, and then having these, you know, these four, five, six players come in, you're going to hope. And we haven't really got any names right now. You're just going to hope that they're sort of a they, you know, they're going to be of a decent, decent standing and would sort of fill the voids left by the bigger names that have, that have gone before them. So, um, yeah, I'm just it's going to be interesting just to see 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 who they bring in and what what deals they've been able to strike. But it's going to, you'd hope, definitely one or two eyebrow-raising ones for sure. But um, we we'll have to wait and see.
0: Well, so, so five of those six players, five of those six players, I imagine some of them will be Fort Lauderdale CF players that just haven't signed a first team deal. So I, I don't know if they will all be foreign based players or anything of that. Like, you know, we, ex- no, we, ex- but- we expect Harvey Neville to sign a deal, correct?
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think they. I'm in Mabika I'm I'm they-
0: as well. He hasn't signed, he, uh, as of right now, he has not officially signed a first team deal. So those are two players right there that could fall in that five, six, you know, uh, player category.
1: The word, the word is they're going to, you know, hopefully announce five, six players this this week. So, um, so I would have, I would, I took that, I took that to meaning just new players coming into the club, rather than ones that have already been there. But. Um, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. We'll
0: have to wait and see. I, I mean, there are some other players from the outside that have been that have been re- reported. Christopher McVeigh, a right back, Inter Miami absolutely needs to address that right back position because right now they don't have a right back that that could line up. If you had to put a projected eleven as of today, I don't know who would play right back. Victor Ulloa, who was a makeshift right back at some point last season because they don't have one right now. So you know, they got rid of Leerdam. Uh, They traded Lewis Morgan, who was playing right wing back, so right now they don't have one. So Christopher McVeigh is a a very tall right back that's been reportedly in conversations with the team. Harvey Neville, we know, plays right back despite playing in center midfield for a lot of the the last season with Fort Lauderdale CF. I've also heard Saad Abdul Salam, an MLS veteran, is someone that Inter Miami has their eye on. Um, And someone I did not mention that that has to be just touched on, Clement Diop, has signed officially for the 2022 season... We reported here first on Miami Total Football that he was on trial with the team last fall. And that's obviously now led to him signing with the team. I think he will be the number two goalkeeper. And keep an eye on this. Ojo, ojo, Jose, as we say in Spanish. Keep an eye on this. Nick Barzman suffered an injury at the end of 2021. In one of the last games, or the penultimate game, suffered a, a knee injury. I've heard he's still working out and working his way back from that. I don't have a timetable for his recovery, but but I don't see it out of the realm of possibility that maybe Clement Diop starts this season as the goalkeeper, as the number one, if Nick Marsman is not able to get back to full health by then. So something to keep an eye on because Clement Diop is now, in my, in my opinion, the number two goalkeeper on Inter Miami. But we've touched on a lot of different things. Let's take a quick break. Steve, I know you have to bid us adieu, but we we will have you back on again next week as we get back into our rhythm and our flow of things and as the start of preseason officially commences. So, Steve, Primo, thank you for joining us. Jose, you and I will tackle this very, very healthy and meaty Q&A session. We'll do that after this. (laughs) Okay, guys, it's time for the first Q&A session of 2022. El Primo has left the building, but PS5, Jose, and myself, we are going to answer every single question you have for us or that you guys submitted for this week's episode because obviously we haven't been on in a bit and there's been a good bit of time that's passed and, of course, a lot of questions uh, from your guys' end. So let's start with a few of them that are similar and i'll read them all first and then we can just kind of address them because again there are some very similar questions and we'll start with mr joshua who says Bl- uh, bluntly what the hell is inter miami doing the McCoon move <laughs> makes zero sense no one on that list is coming to miami when he says that list he's referring to the allocation order we can touch on some of the names on there but Anyway, that's 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 one question. That's obviously overall in, in terms of what Inter Miami's doing this offseason. Another one comes from Don Cafecito. Is it a masterclass from Henderson, the way he unloaded players or did he cut too deep? That's that's another question again about the overall state of the offseason. Next, uh, another question, Fighting Herons. How would a lineup of Iguaine and 10, 15-year-olds from the Academy fare in MLS this season? Asking <laughs> for my friend Phil. So, again, another question about the overall state of Inter Miami. Gay P asked, or he says, and then he asks... I don't understand the McCoon trade. To be honest, is the only decision I'm mad with because I don't know what's happening, but can Henderson fix this? What are we getting back, and will the draft even play a significant part in this team? So it's a, it's a, that question's a bit more McCoon-focused, but it does go back to the overall point that there's been a lot of moves this offseason. So, Jose, how do you answer those questions in the best way possible? I know we touched on it there in, in the first lengthy segment, but what what how do you explain this Off-season overhaul, this roster revamp, however you want to call it, The Purge, as this episode will be titled. How do you explain what we're seeing? I would say this.
2: First off, I want to give credit to all the fans that went and and took the time to look into the allocation um, uh, player list. That that tells me you're a true Inter-Miami fan and you want to understand every single thing that goes around the team. So props to everybody that went in and and checked the list,
0: um, like Santa Claus. Check it, the, and they're checking it twice.
2: <laughs> yeah, in, in, in terms of McCoon, I think we still have to wait. I mean, w- we have seen only fifty percent of uh of, of the whole deal. I mean, Makun is now a Charlotte FC player, but we still have to wait who's going to come in. You know, once we see that name and, and we know for a fact the player that's coming in then we can judge the trade I think. so we have to be a little bit patient you know it's it, it's not exactly the situation that every fan wants to be in rebuilding mode is something that you want to stay away from but you know that's the reality of inter Miami and 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 this is what happens. When you don't know how to deal with designated players in your first season, and so
0: I don't think they didn't know. I think they knew what they were doing. They just, uh, yeah, they just skirted the rules. Just there. wanted to do it. All right, <laughs> you said it. You said it, and I agree with you. <laughs> Maybe I should have said it too. It's gotta be direct here, bro. I know we're starting the year. It's 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 the beginning, and you know we're coming off the holidays, and but we gotta we gotta keep we gotta call a spade a spade. I think they skirted the rules there. I don't I don't think they they made a mistake there. I think you know well they so, did make a mistake, but they 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 knew what they were doing.
2: When you don't follow the rules, this is what happens. And, and you're in rebuilding mode and, you know, you, you just – I mean, listen. The, the podcast can, can be significant, significantly different next week after the the five or six players start coming in. And we're going to have an opportunity. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful thinking that that's going to happen, that we're going to have an opportunity to be there in, in, in training next week. If that's the case, you know – the the scenario could be very very different because we might see faces over there that can bring hope to the fans. Right now they just see a whole bunch of players coming out of the team, um, players like Makun with with the you know with a, with a lot of talent, but they're not going to be there anymore. Um, and so people get frustrated, but just just try to be patient a little bit and, and see what happens in the next few weeks.
0: And just to flesh out the allocation ranking list and what what that means, right? We, I ex- tried to explain it earlier. This is the this is the the actual description on the MLS uh, website, and it says S- the allocation ranking list is comprised of players in the following categories: select U.S. men's national team players, so they're select, not everybody; select elite U.S. youth national team players, again, select, not everybody; and players transferred outside of MLS, garnering a transfer fee of at least five hundred thousand dollars. So. Just I'm not going to go through the entire list. You guys can see it uh, on MLS's website. But some of the names on there, just for example, some of the players that fit that cat or those categories are players like Tyler Adams, Miguel Almirón, uh, Caden Clark, Alfonso Davies, Albert Liz, Kyle Laren, Gonzalo Piti Martinez. Matt Miazga, Michael Murillo, and you know Josh Sargent, Jefferson Saborino, and you know Hector Vialba, DeAndre Yedlin, and Yoshimar Yotun. Those are just some of the names on there. I, I gave probably more names than than I needed to, but that gives you an idea of the type of players that are on there. They're players that have made an impact in MLS or that were sold at a at a young age um, for a, for a significant transfer fee. So I imagine again, Inter Miami has their eyes set on somebody, or that they plan to trade the number one pick for more allocation money because they clearly are trying to rack up on that given the sanctions that have been have befo- have fallen on them or that they've been hit with but going to the overall point right now I do have concerns about the direction of the team this season and again it's incomplete so let's wait and see but right now as things stand I share the concern of several fans out there that Like you said, this could very well be a rebuilding season. And if it's a rebuilding season, this team may not be all that competitive. And and maybe publicly, again, I'm curious to see how they sell it, but maybe publicly they'll say playoffs are the goal. Playoffs are the goal and we want to, you know, play some of the youngsters and and develop them, etc., etc. But if there's not more quality brought onto this team, uh, significant more quality, you know, this team could definitely miss the playoffs again in 2022 but that's my opinion as of today we'll see what the the players we'll see what players are brought in and what they they bring to the table and look this is another question from across the pond with all the upheaval of the roster this this ties into what exactly what i was just saying from across the pond with all the upheaval of the roster do you think the ownership and management are still expecting a top three to four seed he puts that in quotation marks because that's what was said last year by jorge mas in the eastern conference Jose, I imagine that your answer will be no, based on everything we've said on this podcast.
2: Well, yeah, the honest answer would be no, but you know, I, I have a lot of trouble believing um, that, uh, believing Jorge Mas in some of his statements because, you know, he he tries to be optimistic. And and um, even though
0: they they they, you know they they have an they have a a vested interest right they're they're either owners of the team or you know the the front office are they work for the team so they have to sell the image of look. Being optimistic, they're not going to go and say, "All right, well, this is good year is going to be a rebuilding year. We're not going to be any good because that obviously will then impact how many people turn out, how many people tune in. That inf- that impacts the bottom line. So they're, they're, I don't imagine they'll say that. They are, they they will try to sell it in a very positive way and spin it in a very positive way. But that does not mean that the way they spin things is is the actual reality of of the situation or what they what they really think behind the scenes.
2: Right. But w- wouldn't you appreciate if Jorge Mas came out and and you know just said it like like it is and you know <laughs> explaining that you know this but he's not going real-
0: to do that publicly here, he won't do that, that uh, maybe privately you know maybe privately he would, maybe but run- but not publicly he's not he, he can't say that publicly and i wouldn't imagine any owner to say that publicly then you're now you're going against your vested interest which is to make money right this is still a business so if you say hey we're gonna yeah. we're going to rebuild that's not something fans want to hear right yeah, by, by and large, right? That's it's not a sexy yeah. thing to hear. That that means like, hey, this year is probably not going to be a very good year. That's that's how you. That's pretty much what rebuilding year means because we're starting over, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, I mean, if he said it, I think it would probably catch us a bit by surprise. But I just, I mean, he's not going to say it. He's not. I, I can't imagine he says it. Maybe next week, Jorge Mas is, is open and honest and, and pretty transparent from the times we've dealt with him. Uh, not someone that doesn't share uh, a whole lot of words, or, or you know, keeps his cards close to the vest. You know, he he does he does share situation.
2: Emil Reese. I'm still waiting <laughs> in those two weeks,
0: two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks. We we heard sixty. <laughs> we heard sixty to ninety days like twice last year, and obviously this was in the spring of last year, and that didn't get done. So here we are into 2022. Still with questions about the stadium, which we will ask, of course, if and when we get to speak to to Jorge Mas and the rest of the ownership group. I just think it's very
2: optimistic. And at times, you know, he shows that, you know, he doesn't have a lot of experience managing a soccer team, a football team. So, you know, it's it's normal, I guess. So uh, I, I would put a lot of value into what um, David Beckham has to say. It would be really interesting to see if you know he's available because he knows exactly what's going on and he understands the process that, that the team is going to have to go through.
0: I'm curious if he speaks this preseason. I have questions if he, if he speaks this preseason. You know He has done it over the last two years, but given the state of things... I could see a scenario where he doesn't because he hasn't spoken after the seasons, right? He hasn't. That's been a criticism I've had of, of him and how the team's kind of been run in, in that aspect is because he has not spoken after two pretty poor seasons. And I fully would expect that if they had a good season, if they made it a deep run into the playoffs or he got the, the team got to MLS Cup or then won MLS Cup final or anything like that, that he would absolutely speak. But from what I've heard, and this is information that I have heard, David Beckham, and this is not anyone that's worked on the inside close to Inter Miami knows this. It, David Beckham has his own PR people. So David Beckham has his PR people, and those PR people work with Inter Miami's PR people. So David Beckham's PR people obviously very carefully manage David Beckham and his brand. So maybe, maybe I could see a scenario again, this off this this preseason, where they decide not to make him available and he doesn't speak given the situation. But, you know what? I will say, I'll, I'll be optimistic on this one. I, th- I think he will speak, although I do see a scenario where he could not speak. But, anyway, jumping back to the questions, because I separated these two questions. They're similar, but different enough, and I'm curious to hear your answer. Because this next question comes from Tank721. Will the squad finish last in the league? This new roster is really lacking quality and depth for now. Jose, I know the picture's incomplete. I know it's you know. I mean, the easy answer would be like we have to wait and see, but right now is is that in the realm of possibility that this team could finish in last place given what we're seeing? Is that is that possible? Um, as
2: it stands right now, yes, I agree. Because I agree with you, that. You, don't even, you you don't even have a, a you know a starting eleven, but. Um, Listen, having a young team in MLS doesn't necessarily mean you're going to end up in 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 last place. Um, the one thing that makes uh, MLS different is that it's a physical league and, and 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 I was able to speak with Jairo Quinteros just a, a few days ago and he was telling me that, you know, that's something that you're able to to see from 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 just watching the games on TV. And that means that a young guy, you know, with with, you know, having uh, uh, the opportunity to start or to play significant minutes in a team, uh, he might be able to bring something to the table that allows you to compete with some of the other teams. Of course, you're not going to be thinking uh, championship or, or maybe even playoffs, but you're going to be competing in MLS, even if you have a young team. So, um, I wouldn't be too dramatic to think last place right now, because like you mentioned, we still have to wait and see what the roster is. But as, as of right now, you know, it's a troubling situation, not being able to have a starting 11, but I I would say to the fans to remain hopeful, you know, just wait it out a little bit. You know, we're not far away from the start of preseason and, and, and we'll go from there. We'll see if, you know, this team is, uh, where are they going, really? Right now, I don't think we have a clear idea, but I think we'll have answers very, very soon.
0: I agree with almost everything you said there, but for the sake of conversation and just banter here, and and, I, and I'm being honest. This is not just to, to to say something here on the podcast, as as it never is. We try not to do that ever, but right now. Based on what I'm seeing. And again, it's incomplete. We will see the moves that are made. We will ask questions to leadership and, and get some answers, see what their plan is or, or what they're looking to do this year. But right now, looking at the team, I could, yes, this team is in the realm of possibly finishing in last place in MLS for me, for me, based on just the roster that they have. And look, going back to one of the questions that said, you know, how, how is this going to work with Gonzalo Higuain and, you know, 10, 15-year-old players from the academy, obviously, that said tongue-in-cheek, but I think there is an element to that, because if Gonzalo Higuain was very frustrated and flapping his arms last year when things weren't going well with a team that, yes, it wasn't very good, but there were some decent pieces on there, I mean, his frustration level could exceed that this year. If he's playing with a lot of young guys that need to be developed, that need to... You know they are going to make mistakes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that you know just don't have the experience or or the the seasoning. So you know it, it. It. I have concerns. I have concerns. I will wait and see. But right now there are concerns for me as to where this team could finish in in 2022. Going. Speaking of Iguain, Elderbar asks: Is Gonzalo Iguain the new number 10? Did he tell Phil he was going to be the new 10, and that's why they're bringing in Suarez or whatever old number nine there is left? Should we lower our expectations so we can have a successful season? Now, I want to tie in another question. It comes from Preki Lives. He says, do you think the rumored interest in Luis Suarez is legit? If so, could he coexist with Gonzalo Higuain? So two questions. Luis Suarez is in there. I'll start here, Jose, if that's okay. I do not believe the Luis Suarez rumors for this season are accurate. I don't think they're legit. You're not going to spend that much money on two number nines. I just don't see that happening. On two number nines that that I don't see them playing off of one another. They're they're guys that need the ball and they need the regular touches. I don't think Onsali Wayne will be playing the ten, and SWAT is the nine. I just that that's just for me. It's out of the realm of possibility. It's something you know you're more likely to see in in FIFA or uh, Pro Evolution Soccer, which is now eFootball. But yeah, I don't. That's no. That definitely don't. It's not happening. I will. You know, I'll sign. I'll sign that 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 won't happen.
2: Yeah. But listen. I mean that, that's more um, about rumors and clicks, and and I don't I don't see it happening. And the one thing that I that I would uh, I I would think Inter Miami has learned a lesson on is on signing players and having them come halfway through the season. I think, especially when you are trying to build a new, new core of players, that's something that you're gonna have to try to stay away. I would believe that Phil wants a team ready to go for the first game, and uh, of the regular season, and 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 have a a solid group of players, you know, with all the key elements available in preseason. So, um, I do believe that you know there are a couple of situations that could be favorable for for Inter Miami this year, and maybe this is going back a little bit to the last question. Remember, this year U.S. Open Cup is back. Maybe that's a competition that Inter-Miami can concentrate on. If if you're thinking about, you know, moving far in the tournament and having an opportunity at a title, I think U.S. Open Cup might be the way. Um, We have seen it throughout, you know, almost every single league in the world, how teams struggle at league play and then in the cup they're able to Uh, put a a good run of games win two or three get one into the penalties and just being able to move past and that's how you end up in finals and playing for titles so um, there are situations right now within inter miami that yes bring you a lot of questions but as well when you see players like like gregory coming back and, and mota signing in the middle Again, you know, Marsman, he was good for most of uh, last year. There's still there's, There are still some key elements that still remain with the team. And so um, I don't think they need players like Luis Suarez right now. That's, that's the flair of, of that um, uh, top European player. I don't think that's exactly what they're looking for right now. They're just trying to move past the trouble that they're going through, and they're going to do it. You know, in an intelligent way, thinking about the future as well, the sanctions are not going to last forever. So they they have to be ready when the time comes.
0: OK, we have a few more questions and I want to try to go through them really quickly, except maybe for one. But let's let's just quickly try to go through the rest of these because I think they they, they can we can answer them more succinctly or in shorter, uh, shorter breaths here. Dosno says, and this ties into this last question, I hope the rumors about Matuidi are true, but what other DP can we bring in that won't be, won't be a disappointment? So far, all our DPs have been. So Rafael Veiga was a player that was mentioned earlier in the offseason, and I could see someone like him still coming on board if and when Matuidi goes. Because right now, Inter Miami doesn't even have a DP slot available to sign anybody. So right now, it's not even possible. Until Matuidi is, is moved off the roster they won't be able to sign a DP. But if and when they can, I think Vega is a very, very likely candidate. Anybody, any name you want to just throw out there that you would think, hey, you know, this could be a player that that could be a good DP for the team. Realistically.
2: Yeah, I want to touch on the Vega situation because the last thing that I heard about it, it's that, you know, the the price for Vega went up a little bit after the Copa Libertadores, you know, had a good run there.
0: He scored in the final. He scored in the final.
2: Right. Right. So um, negotiations, uh, I, I would have to double check on that. But, you know, of course, the situation inter Miami has to figure things out, especially at home first and then try to find a, a spot for Vega. But uh, it looks like, you know, they're, they're having a little bit of trouble in the negotiation process right there. But, you know, I think right now, and I mentioned this early on, it's not about the peace for Miami you know it's it's not about bringing the, the dps that are going to fix every single thing that's going on with the team. I think you have to start from the ground up and and you know hopefully they, they, they will be able to do that. They have to do it in preseason that's
0: where it starts. next question comes from Jorge Medina. Do you think resigning Shea was a good idea? Why or why not? Now that hasn't been officially announced yet. I actually heard that there might have been some issues at the negotiating table that have delayed that to become from becoming official. But I expect that, that that deal will get done. I mean that 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 part is my sensation that I think it will get done. The other part is information that I've heard that there there is or there were um, some some hurdles there or some some uh, they didn't see eye to eye on certain certain things. But anyway, I think, like I said before, I think it's a it's a good addition or a good re signing because I think you know for a year uh, maybe another season two tops, but definitely for one season he can just. Be a, a depth piece that starts on occasion and can can provide coverage at a uh, or provide cover. Excuse me, at a number of positions. Jose.
2: Yeah. What's the question?
0: <laughs> Do you think resigning Brek Shea was a good idea? Why or why not? They haven't resigned him yet, but.
2: Um. Well, listen. I have to be honest. Um. I know everybody loves Brek Shea, but I just don't see it. <laughs> I don't see it. I do not see it, and we have had this conversation before. We have, Franco. we have. Um, you're
0: not, you're not the I, biggest I, Breck Shea guy,
2: I know. Yeah, I remember we had this conversation in the press box, and I remember Michael Frank as well behind us, and he was alarmed when I said that. Nah, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it with Breck Shea. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I would give an opportunity to somebody else, a younger player,
0: like, like um, Noah I, Noah Allen, for example. The the USL player of the of the year in twenty twenty one, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's that's accurate.
2: I would give an opportunity to a USL player without a doubt, without thinking about it,
0: over Brick Shea.
2: Um I just I just don't think he does enough defensively. Um and and um if you see the the what what he's able to do when he moves forward, um I mean it's okay. But um Still, it's not enough. So I think he's a little bit of an in between player, and um, not exactly what I would expect from Inter Miami, especially this year. You know, if when you're trying to patch things, yeah, okay, I can see it, but not when you're but trying he pro- to he build something.
0: Pro- but he provides cover. He provides cover at a number of positions, and I think that's one of the biggest reasons to bring him back because he he can play left back, he can play left wing. Uh, and and if you yeah, absolutely but, need to, maybe put him in a center back. But I, I think he, and he has some experience. You need some experience. You can't just no, you can't just on. be a, a team of all youngsters. But I look, I agree no, with you. And I'll correct.
2: Center back, come on, Franco. Hey, you cannot it, put him center
0: back in <laughs> an emergency <laughs> situation with his height. Well, you know, like hey, they were in an emergency situation last year. I mean, they didn't play him there last year, so maybe not. But left left back and left wing, he can cover two positions there on that on the left flank. He's left footed. He provides some height and has scored off of uh, off some crosses. So. I think he provings it enough. And if, if the numbers are right, then I think, it, I think it works. And I will correct myself from before. Uh, Noah Allen was named the USL Young Player of the Year in 2021. That is a homegrown, he's a, he's a South Florida player, teenager, 17 years old, and he is a left back. So one to keep an eye on. If not for this season, definitely for the future if you're an Inter-Miami fan. Two more questions here and then we wrap this up. And this tweet came with a picture of Pulisic when he attended an Inter-Miami game last season. It says, Pulisic to Inter-Miami is just about confirmed with that move for the top spot of <laughs> allocation order. And this picture of him watching a home game confirms that, right? right. I know Vialba was seen, he's talking about Hector Vialba was seen posing in Inter-Miami gear on Instagram before. Any other players with connection to them who are on the allocation list? So clearly there's intrigue and there's, there's questions as to who they might sign. I haven't heard anything with regards to that. I mean... You know, going for like just this is just me talking here now. Like if they, if they were to go for a center back because I still think they need another body there, you know, Matt Miazga's is probably too uh, still too young to bring back right now. He probably won't come back to MLS at this point in his career. But you know that it, it, bringing a center back, you know, using that spot for a center back could be something that they do. Maybe not. Uh, you know, I I personally am really a really really, and this is not because I'm Peruvian, although you could say that it is. But I'm a very huge. I don't know if fan's the right word. Uh, but I like Yoshimar Yotun's game. Peruvian international. He played for Orlando City. He's a free agent right now. He is on that list of, of allocation players. He's a very good number eight. Obviously, Inter Miami signed Gene Mota. So I don't think Yotun will come here. But if someone like Orlando City is reported to be after Yotun and you want to flip that to them, you know, then then I think you can get a pretty penny for it. Because Yotun, I think, is is a very quality player. Still now, even though he's, he's at above 30, uh, he's still very good with the Peruvian national team. A great link between the defense and, and the attack and just the way he distributes the ball and moves it. Very technical player. So uh, that's someone that, that keep, catches my eye. But, you know, again, for Inter-Miami, we I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's any name on there that stood out to you that you're like, hey, they should go after that guy, Jose, or, or was there at all.
2: No, no. Honestly, you know, they have ways to go with, with, with the situation and having the, the first spot in the allocation order. Um, I'm guessing, you know, they're, they're still roaming around and see what, what's what's the best uh, decision to be made for, for Inter-Miami, whether they want to trade that or, or or what exactly they want to do, unless, you know, which is also a possibility as well. Um, they already have a player in mind, and maybe they're under negotiations or... or or sometimes, you know, deals come through, but they're not announced until later on. Um, maybe that's the case. But as of right now, you know, I think it's only a matter of days until we get into um, uh, talking reality and, and, and who's in and who's out. And, and what what is it for Inter Miami during preseason and talking about goals and, and, and how many minutes uh, X um, a player will get, you know, it, it's it's I know, I know there's anxiety and, and there's frustration as well from the players that are leaving the team but I I do believe things will turn around quickly in, in a week or so and and it's gonna be completely different. I think next podcast um, um, we're gonna have a a, a better a glance of, of what Phil thinks about this roster and Chris Henderson as well. And and maybe we'll get to talk to Phil as well and and see what, what the plan is, just so that we can explain with the knowledge that we have of the players uh, what exactly is the team looking forward into into the 2022 season.
0: Last question. Roberto Riva This is a two-tweet question. why so I saved it for last. Since Season 1, defense has been our vulnerable position. I wonder if Inter Miami has any strategy to reinforce that position. It seems as if they are only interested in trying to score... Goals. What good is it to score a goal if the other team has easy access to our goal? You build the team from the defense, then you take care of the rest. Look at Nashville. They are a defensive team and has have been that has been a successful strategy. Anything you want to add there, Jose? Anything you want to say there to address that that final question? Um, well, I don't agree. I don't, I don't agree that the defense has been the, yeah. the most vulnerable part of this team. I disagree with that. I agree that You want to build from the back to front, that's just, you know, in soccer terms and just, you know, how a lot of people view the game, a lot of people think that you start building from the back to the front and through the spine, which, again, goes center backs, center midfielders, and and striker, maybe an attacking midfielder if you play with a 10. So that's, that's yeah, normally how people cases. want to construct a team. But that's but that's not how MLS does it, right? MLS because they want to... S- I, I
2: don't think that's the case in MLS. Right, I don't think well, that's the case in MLS. In MLS, everybody goes for the striker. Correct, correct. You know? It's it's the I, other I way mean, around.
0: It's the other way around in MLS because MLS wants to sell goals and wants to sell action right. and wants to say, look, our soccer is exciting because maybe the average American... That sees a 0-0 game or a 1-0 game with very little goals doesn't think that's exciting. So that's I mean, it's the biggest reason why there's a DP rule and why almost every single team in the league and over the history of the team, the 95 plus percentage of DPs have come in attacking positions. Because you don't see you don't normally see DPs at center backs or goalkeepers. There are exceptions here or there, but not not but not often.
2: MLS likes the Slaton Ibrahimovic Carlos Vela el trafico 5-4. That's what MLS. Like. <laughs> I mean,
0: hey, I, who doesn't like a good 5-4, man? You know who doesn't like a good 5-4, but it, it's clear that MLS I, I don't know. I like a good 5-4 occasionally, not No? You maybe
2: i I don't know, but you know, I I like to see good defense at times. Oh, of course, I, t- uh, I didn't
0: say make a, I don't want to see a 5-4 game every every weekend, but you know, once in a while you see a 5-4, you see a, a, a game that just Breaks loose and and you know tactics go out the window and and there's just a lot of goals. That's it's fun. It's, it can be entertaining, but again, once in a while, if games are like that every week, then then
2: you maybe know. once once or twice a year, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. that's
0: fine. That's fine. I I, I can agree to that.
2: Traffico with 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 Slatan and Carlos Vela was like every single time 3-2. <laughs> three, three, come on, but but yeah, that's that's the way it goes in MLS. Most of the teams they they put their money. Um, into scoring goals and so that's that's the one thing that i wouldn't agree with you know and um i mean i would love it if inter miami was the team to change things around you know we have seen it in other leagues like you know the the nba is not what it used to be now it's the raining three-pointers every single game it's boring <laughs> 157 points every night it's it's crazy but you know if if inter miami is able to turn things around and and play some good defense, and, and some other teams try to do so, or, or maybe find a balance at least, then that'll be great. Uh, I'll go for that.
0: Yeah, so I would say, to just to answer the question more, more specifically, because we went on a little side tangent there, is that, again, I agree with the idea of building a team from back to front, although that's not how MLS does things, so MLS builds from front to back. Just It's just how it is in MLS, and you can criticize it or not, whatever, however your viewpoint is. But I do agree that Inter-Miami needs to improve the defense. Again, I will reiterate, I do not think the defense has been the most vulnerable line on this team. I think the midfield has been very, very poor with its inability to not only keep the ball, which also helps you defend and not have to be under constant pressure all the time and always having to put out fires, which, again, it's, 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 it's all of it. It's a total thing. But the midfield has been weak. Up top hasn't been great either. We talked a lot about the goal scoring woes in 2021. So for me, the defense, and this might be shocking for a lot of people to hear, but I think the defense might be the strongest line on this team or has been the strongest line on this team for the first two years in change. And obviously, defense hasn't been all that great. So that just kind of tells you the story of how things have gone during these opening two years. That does it for a very meaty and healthy Q&A session. And, you know, we, we want, I know it's, it's been long and this has been a long pod this is probably going to break the Miami Total Football radio record for longest pod ever but we wanted to answer every single question and do so as thoroughly as we can as we always do because we obviously have been gone for a long time and you guys have a lot of questions and you guys obviously chimed in and and gave us the questions which we appreciate so thank you guys we will not take another hiatus like that we will be back again next week Jose any final thoughts it's been a long pod we've said a lot of things talked about Almost everything anything you want to add before we put a bow on this show and move on to the start of preseason next week
2: well no I, I mean I think we said it all it's it's uh, it's been a lot of fun but um I, I just want to go back to you know uh, the understanding of of the situation that the team is is on right now you know there there are restrictions there are sanctions and and you have to Push through them, and it's not an easy process. So you know, as a fan, you have to be patient right now. And 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 there's still a lot of talent. And 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 the one player that um I, I think has an opportunity, uh, it's Edison Ascona again. One of my favorite players in Inter Miami. You know, he's a guy that might end up having an opportunity this year. And he's one guy that can change things up. And he's the prime example. That's why I'm mentioning him right now. Because there are several names right now in the roster that maybe you're, you don't know about. You're, you don't even have a reason to, to bring your hopes up. But maybe they have the talent. So remain hopeful. Wait what preseason brings. And then make a decision whether the moves were right or wrong. And and in, in terms of what Chris Anderson and, and Phil Neville have, have been able to do so, so far.
0: My final thought is that I'm happy we're back. Uh, that You know, it's, it's not going to be an Inter-Miami focused thing. I'm happy that we're back and that we're doing this again. Uh, we obviously, I think we all needed to recharge the batteries a bit after last season. And I did so by going to Europe for a month. I bounced around a whole bunch of different countries that I've never been to, which was an awesome experience. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to diving headfirst into this year with the same type of coverage that we've provided over the first two seasons of Inter-Miami's existence. And we have a lot of plans in store for you on this podcast. I won't share it, leave it a little bit as a mystery for now, but we have a lot of plans for you. Don't worry, the shows won't be this long every week. I don't expect it to be long this long ever again, but again, we have a lot of neat things in. In the plans, I can't wait. Can't wait to share them with you guys. So that is my final thought. We will leave it there. We will return next week once preseason for Inter Miami in 2022 has officially begun, and we will dive into all that's said and everything that's not said, and all the moves that are to come in that pod as well. Thank you guys again so much for listening. If you're new to the pod and you've made it all the way to this point, please give us a follow on all our social media channels, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. Miami Total Football, of course. And please, 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 I will. I started the pod by saying this. I will end the pod by saying this. Please leave us a review. Be honest or be as expansive or as short, as brief as you want. But please leave us a review. It will help us out tremendously to execute some of the plans that we have in place. So, for Jose Armando, for Steve Brenner, I am Franco Panizo. This is Miami Total Football Radio, the number one podcast and most listened to on Inter Miami. And we'll talk to you guys again very soon.